Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing well. Um, about to go grab a drink with some folks at Bitflyer. We had a conversation with the CEO of Binance US, but before all of that, going to talk to you about eToro. eToro, our sponsors for the past three or for the past two months, um, have been supporting cryptocurrency content creation for a long time. They've been supporting Bitcoin. They've been putting money behind Bitcoin education, Bitcoin memory, and Bitcoin access for a ton of different people across the globe. And now they're bringing their crypto platform to the U.S. You've heard it many times before, their copy trader features and their different indices allow you to invest in crypto the way that you want to invest. You can do limit orders, you can just market buy, you can stack sats, whatever you want, Binance, or uh, whatever you want, eToro is the place to get it. B.tsli backslash eToro POV, B.tc backslash eToro POV. Make sure to check out eToro for all your cryptocurrency needs. And if one of those cryptocurrency needs is lending, check out Celsius Network at Celsius.network. If you use code POV upon sign up, you'll get $10 in BTC. Celsius is the newest lending platform out on the block. Uh, and their competitive advantage is both that they have a ton of assets uh, that you can lend. So your EOS, your your zero X tokens, uh, your esoteric stable coins like the Australian dollar. Uh, those are all available on uh, Celsius network and the rates are also pretty competitive. So as all DeFiers know, rates have come down recently due to the drop in the stability fee. And so the, the rates that you can get for your US dollar stable coins on Celsius are pretty competitive, upwards of eight and a half percent on things like GUSD or Circle Coin, and over 5.5% on your DAI. Um, so check out Celsius.network, download their app. It's a pretty good looking app and use code POV to sign up. All right, guys, getting into this interview with Catherine Cooley. Uh, this was a ton of fun and I can tell that Catherine is a full-blown Bitcoiner, Ethereum, crypto person. She, she is in it for the right reasons. And I feel as though like Binance has always been in it for the right reasons. Uh, maybe it's just my take, but uh, I feel like the ethos of the exchange has always been um, with the ethos of crypto. Um, and that's probably why um, Binance Global, Binance.com has been so successful. And I'm very curious to see if that kind of ethos and management and perspective on the space is going to breed success for the very young Binance US. Uh, again, super, super fun conversation with Catherine. We dived into, uh, you know, compliance. We dived into uh, her thoughts about the future of exchange competition. And we even got a little cosmic. David? Yeah, this was a super great conversation. Catherine is super quick-witted. Uh, I really enjoyed talking about just the three gargantuans that are now inside the United States. Coinbase, Gemini, and now Binance all have their own exchanges, all have their own on-ramps, all have their own stable coins. And even with uh, Coinbase's offering uh, interest rates on your USDC, now uh, both Coinbase and Binance have some sort of like uh, DeFi lending aspect to them as well. So we talk about that subject 
Uh, we also talk about BNB, we talk about regulators, we talk about what the difference is between Binance US and Binance.com is. Uh, so really wide ranging conversation to get you up to speed with what Binance is doing. And like Christian said, we talk a little bit cosmic at the very end, kind of going into what it means to be a crypto person living in a crypto world and how that's different from just the old financial system and the old way of thinking about belongingness to a, a community. So without further ado, Catherine Cooley. Do you believe? All right, everyone. I'm super excited to bring you Catherine Cooley to the podcast. Catherine is the CEO of Binance USA and BAM Trading and has done a ton of stuff in traditional finance as well as crypto finance leading up to this. We're super excited to have her on. Just before this, we're chatting about all kinds of goopy stuff, whether it's smart contracts for Patrick Coiner um, or whatnot. So uh, Catherine is definitely a, a Bitcoiner and a crypto person, and I'm super excited to learn more about Binance USA. Yeah, really, really pumped to be on the show today, guys. Thanks. Happy Friday or whatever day you're deciding to film this. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, this might go out next Friday, actually, but uh, uh we we uh we're he oh, sorry like like i said Catherine is the ceo of binance usa um and we wanted to bring her on because i guess the the exchange kind of lay lay of the land is changing a lot especially in the united states um a lot of changes with binance which was uh binance.com which was a juggernaut um and now it seems like people can't access binance.com but at the same time there's a ton of options in the us I kind of want to learn a little bit about what's happening with all the exchanges from what you can see and what do you think is important to be successful in the US market? Yeah, it's um it's been a fun journey both personally and professionally seeing the exchange environment evolve. And so we kind of saw when I was kind of, you know trying to figure out how how to access crypto from the US dollar side of things. Actually, it started off trying to access crypto through the Hong Kong dollar side of things. And there really was no exchange environment for the Hong Kong dollar on ramps initially. Um, and so my way around the world back into San Francisco, um, you know, learning about the US components, we saw the early days of folks really kind of bringing out and delivering a really simple product. And as we've seen them evolve, they're adding more components to this exchange model. And we've seen the success of that turn into something like an ecosystem that you see Binance Global really being able to deliver now. It's not just a, a simple matching engine um, order book uh, for people to buy and sell crypto now. It's uh, you know, a wider variety of tools and assets that people can then um, really plug in and become more part of their, their daily lives. Okay, so, uh, and correct me if I got this wrong, uh, Technically, you are the CEO of BAM Trading, and BAM Trading is like licensing with Binance Global this technology to represent Binance in the U.S. Can you can you kind of tell me how exactly that works, as well as like why why did you choose to work with Binance? Yeah, so you can call it CEO of Binance U.S. or BAM Trading Services. We do businesses both. Um, the the purpose of having a a new company here in the United States is one where we're able to really cater to the audience that we have. And the US regulation is so unique to uh, crypto and specifically still in a, in a state of evolution that we really wanted to have a core focus dedicated to 
building something out that would be both functional, but also uh, evolving with the current state of the United States crypto uh, ecosystem. So um, Binance had been kind of a great leader in the global race for um, getting both the technology as well as the community really gathered around this. And so I had a huge amount of respect for the way they've operated, um, been able to build and scale so quickly, as well as uh, bring really kind of significantly more uh, like uh, understanding of the market's technology to the surface. So what they were bringing was trading tools that traders actually liked using. Um, and that to me was something that I wanted to honor and say, if we are gonna be introducing crypto markets, uh, let's not make it look too easy. Like let's teach people about how markets actually are trading. Let's teach people about order books. Let's make sure that we're delivering a, a platform that is both educational as well as functional for the new to experienced user. Um, and so the idea and opportunity to work with a, a team like that and you know gain information and understanding of how CZ has been able to scale a business so quickly um, is one that, you know, what a privilege it is to, to be here. Um, and so that's really what I'm able to license the technology from finance.com and then um, bring uh, the market awareness for the US user as well as cater to the US regulations that we need to be thinking about for our US users as well um, into Binance US. So Catherine, what actually is Binance US? Is it just a version of Binance.com that is accessible to US users or is it something a little bit more behind the scenes, kind of like how Coinbase has Coinbase custody? Uh, so like, what is the suite of services that Binance uh, US has and then how does that differ from traditional Binance? Yeah, right now we're operating in 37 states and Puerto Rico, delivering a spot market access for 25 tokens um, with the ability to have dollar on ramps in both our wires, ACH, and debit cards with FDIC insurance on your dollar deposits. So what I just said there is a little bit mix of what exists on .com and what does not exist yet. Um, and that's because a lot of it is catered to a US user wanting that FDIC insurance coverage, also wanting fiat on ramps, also wanting um, to be able to make sure that the tokens that we're listing are going through a digital asset risk assessment framework. And, um, and then it stops there. And Binance.com then continues and has futures and labs and margin and you know, additional products on top of that. So given we're about two months old, this is, this is how far we've, we've come. And we're building out on top of that going forward. So you'll see in the near coming months, um, an app being built out um, to allow for folks to be able to access trading on the go. And then um, as well, you'll be able to see us rolling out into more states. So we've got 13 that are not on, uh, we're not able to operate in and we'll be working our way through the license and registrations uh, to get access into those markets. So of the tokens that are on Binance US, how did Binance US go and vet those and decide that those are compliant tokens to, to trade inside the US? Yeah, there's a, you know, the process of listing comes from, a, you know, a wide range of items and we've seen different groups, exchanges particularly go through how they're measuring um, getting coins listed in, in the United States. So we've done that on our own as well with a digital asset risk assessment. A framework which we go through and document each coin, um, the process to which we're going through, check, putting it through a you know robust checklist 
um, to make sure that their risk parameters are within inside the ones that we are operating inside of the United States, as well as factors like the health of that um, community, the, uh, you know, the robust nature of market makers and liquidity revolving around um, appetite for trading. Uh, there, there's a lot of concern where you could list coins that have actually no uh, ecosystem here in the United States and would fall flat on, uh, on, an, on a U.S.-based exchange. So uh, we really have to cater to the fact that our users are going to be U.S.-centric, um, you know, really building out healthy markets that would be comparable with a dollar base pair, uh, as well as, um, you know, just, just exploring what's, what's coming out here specific to the United States. Is BNB token part of Binance US at all? Yeah, it was in the top seven that we listed out of the gates. So we had seven coins that we listed um, against US dollar and USDT. And then within 24 hours, we rolled out BTC pairs across those top seven as well. So column, you know, the large caps of crypto, your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, your XRP, your Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, and BNB and USDT. So does BNB have kind of the same role and function uh, in Binance US as it does on Binance.com, like reduce trading fees and, and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. The utility aspect there for getting BNB to deliver 25% discount on your trading fees. Um, and that allows for our first starting tier on uh, our VIP tiers, which allow for the more volume you're trading for a better uh, fee structure. Um, so the starting level is uh, 10 basis points or 0.1% of the notional that you're trading would be your trading fee. And then if you have over zero BNB, you would get 25% discount on that. Um, and Black Friday special, uh, you get uh, <laughs> on top of the 25%, if you hold more than five BNB, you get another 50% off. So total of 75% off your trading fees uh, coming up on Black Friday. So the big conversation with the NB token is, is that generally people consider it a, a security. Uh, and so has, what's the discussion? I mean, I guess I can't ask what the discussion is behind the scenes, but what's the discussion about uh, BNB kind of being in a, in a legal gray area and being offered to US investors? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've listed 25 tokens, all of which have made it through and passed our digital asset risk assessment framework. So um, the, the way we've measured this is within the lens of the US uh, regulation, where and how and what um, capacity we're comfortable with for listing these tokens. So um, it, it passed uh, our risk assessment framework, as did um, you know, 24 other coins. Um, and right now, we, you know, we've only really seen a couple that have been uh, cleared necessarily through. So, so I kind of wanted to ask you a similar question, but with a different angle. I wanted you to, can you describe BNB to me? Like, what, what do you think BNB is? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so many aspects where a token that is delivering an ease of access within a platform um, for access for discounted trading fees and then the ability for BNB to then be used in different scenarios, such as uh, you know, the Binance Charity Foundation has been able to leverage it um, for being able to you know, essentially bring uh, a global awareness to something that we can then raise funds for. The pink token coin was one that had a one-to-one -one conversion with BNB, allowing for um, you know, dignity among young women uh, that were able to access uh, tools and supplies that they weren't previously. Uh, it also then goes to feed students, um, you know, it's, 
it's an absurd amount of meals that they get based on just one BNB as a donation mechanism. So um, within the ecosystem that Finance Global has built and within the one we intend to build inside of Finance US, uh, BNB does serve as a you know, functional utility tool for that. So I kind of want to ask you a little bit about like what the future of exchanges and what the future of your competition looks like. I understand oh, that obviously we all knew that. No, <laughs> I mean, obviously there's a lot of, you know, existing, uh, I guess like fiat crypto exchanges, Kraken, Coinbase, Gemini. Um, but there's also like this kind of looming, like legacy financial institutions also mm-hmm. peeking into crypto when you're like looking at this space and strategizing for Binance, like what are you more kind of concerned about and like strategizing, you know, towards, and I guess, yeah, just like what, what's your thought on, on both of those factors? Yeah. I guess I'd adjust your question in some sense of saying like, what am I most concerned about versus what am I most excited about? Um, And that just might be my own mindset, but the, the element that we've seen so far with the last seven years of US-based digital asset marketplaces uh, has given us such a perspective to be able to begin um, kind of our quest inside of the United States. So we've been able to see where different uh, functions have aided and also maybe delayed the success of certain uh, you know, marketplaces. So um, with that, we can kind of navigate where to spend most of our time in, in terms of what we need to be delivering. Uh, and, and right now I still feel like we're catering extremely well to a niche audience of crypto savvy individuals. And, and that's been fantastic. And we're kind of getting it super sharp into exactly what they're looking for, allowing them to advance uh, down the path of, of crypto trading. Um, so you're seeing DeFi, you're seeing derivatives, you're seeing kind of uh, an advancement, but the, problem that I, I assess is that we are missing, um, you know, the boats leaving the station without everyone on board. So we, we have a, a niche community that is, you know, larger than it was last year and larger than the year before, um, but still relatively uh, isolated. So um, kind of Finance US is really here to make sure that we can lower the barriers of entry, welcome, uh, you know, more inclusive communities into understanding crypto and and take it away from something that's, uh, you know, as, as isolating or, or intimidating as crypto intentionally was, um, for better or for worse, but bring it into just access and management and growing of your own capital. Um, I see it as kind of the future of how we'll be monitoring our own funds going forward, not as a supplemental hobby on the side that it's going to be, you know, an, an app that's sitting next to my, my bank account, um, but one that that is going to be the future of how I'm going to be managing, uh, you know, the, the value that I, that I intend to grow in my life. So that intersects pretty well with the whole narrative in the DeFi world where we all think these like DeFi, decentralized financial applications are going to be these protocols that help us with our own personal financial well-being. How does Binance US and Binance at large kind of intersect with, with DeFi and how do you guys kind of view, view that space? Yeah, like you think about um, what what a what a what a traditional marketplace would actually entail, and and it it would not even include um, earning yields on uh, your deposits. That would be uh, you know another 
another application. Uh, so the idea that we are morphing that into the full full product is something that I think we're it's unavoidable. Um, you, you know, you've got folks that are going to be able to be participants actively on an exchange, um, whether that's their high frequency traders, whether that's just the day traders, or whether that's people just with short term horizons for their trading scales. But uh, you've also got the folks that want to be in there for the long term uh, position, don't want to touch it, just want to have it sit on the side. So you welcome that side of like, well, you're going to need a custody solution then for, for the folks that are going to be kind of the sit and holds. Um, and what's the sweetener for that? They can earn a yield on top of what their deposits are. So I, I see that as all the kind of puzzle pieces into making sure that the participants in the market are both, uh, you know, like new to experienced and uh, short-term high-frequency traders to, uh, you know, institutional, we used to call it real money. Um, but for kind of a, like the longer holder trade trade positions. I mean, taking this world out of what we kind of consider in future speak and bringing it back to what traditional markets, FX markets are built on, you've got your, you know, your, your hedge funds, your event driven funds, you've got your, um, you know, institutional real money or, or that's kind of your pensions and your, um, you know, your endowments. Um, and those are behemoths and they move, you know, insanely slow, but when they're moving, it's, you know, tectonic plates of value are being shifted. Uh, and so the, the breakdown of bringing that style into the future, we just need to make sure we're building different products for it. Um, one thing we took into consideration is Binance has been kind of a core, um, delivering value to a retail audience. So how we don't miss out on the institutional side of that as it develops in the U.S. is we partnered with Tagomi to be able to provide liquidity to institutional uh, players through a platform that looked and smelled and felt familiar to them, but included the liquidity from our platform. So you kind of, when we're thinking about things, we got to include everybody or else it'll be really um, quite, a, quite a lonely place. <laughs> So you were mentioning how the Binance app wouldn't just be this app that's next to your Wells Fargo app or whatever legacy financial app that that's kind of a tool, but much more than that, kind of an, an ecosystem. And so the DeFi ecosystem has a bunch of uh, verbs in them, like borrowing, lending, uh, uh, like a, uh, I don't know what the verb, verb would be for maker, but like uh, a collateralized leveraging. loan, leveraging. Yeah, leveraging. Uh, is Is this something that, is included in Binance, Binance's suite of services available to, to retail, or at least in the vision? Yeah, yeah, I'd say on the dot-com side, they've already included several of those verbs, as you mentioned, in their suite of products that they provide for folks. And because we're able at Binance US to license the technology that they've built, we can then pluck and pull what we think is appropriate for the US audience. Um, and then we have to kind of bring in as well, swoop in, remembering that there's a different licensing mechanism and, uh, you know, futures in the international arena look a little bit more like CFTC and clearinghouses and FCMs in the U.S. arena. So it's kind of uh, recognize exactly what's taking place globally, see how it's already being built on Binance.com and then apply it to the environment we can and, and operate in inside the United States. So. It's not it's so, a nice position to be in. <laughs> kind of on that same on that same track, being in the US and seeing what Binance.com is able to do outside of the US without having to kind of deal with the same kind of regulatory burden 
that you have to deal with. Do you think do you think that the U.S. is falling behind in the crypto space or do you think that we still have an edge? I mean, I, I wouldn't be here committed to the United States if I thought this was a, a long lost game. <laughs> so I, I, I've spent majority of my career being kind of this on the ground liaison to make sure that the U.S. doesn't fall behind in terms of innovation or new frontiers um, and, and being able to translate what's happening outside of the United States to the U.S. user and make sure that they're making the path forward for themselves has kind of always been something I'm quite passionate about, but also have had quite a lot of experience in. Uh, and so being able to have this opportunity of, of making sure that the U.S. is aware of what's happening globally and is able to bring the best of the world's technology into the, to the United States to compete and, and adapt something that the U.S. users really do need, that to me is like uh, extremely optimistic. I think there's I think there's plenty of room. It just needed to be kind of dusted off and, and reconfigured, um, and we need to make sure that all of the U.S. is understanding what we're working on, so that we don't alienate um, groups that could find this insanely valuable. I, I take crypto as a huge equalizer, and the U.S. still has room to to uh, allow for an agent like that to, to take place. So how does Binance Chain fit into this conversation? How does U.S. Binance and Binance Chain intersect, if at all? Yeah, I mean, plenty of, plenty of room for us to consider on, on interacting with Binance Chain or offering different projects potentially down the road that have um, been built on top of it. Um, I mean, BNB for one of them is already listed. Um, BUSD is the Fiat Binance stablecoin um, that's being uh, you know, rolled out into the United States as well. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of upside for where BEP2 is kind of being developed on. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, focused right now on Binance US rather than Binance US DEX. Um, but that's a, you know, kind of a, another project that could be considered, but not right now. So I kind of want to get back to uh, talking a little bit about dealing with like regulators um, I'm assuming that you deal with regulators on every level to some degree. Like, what's the varying amount of understanding and openness to Bitcoin and that kind of stuff? And if there's one thing that they're generally most concerned about, what would what would that be from what you can see? Yeah, we actually have an office in Washington D.C., so that's where um, our legal and regulatory sit, and they are involved in. Um, I mean, D.C. is quite a small place, so. You know, walking into the office, they they walk into the office with several people that are involved in and kind of these um, alliances and, and programs that are geared towards teaching regulators about cryptocurrencies as well. So um, I think there's huge headway that's been made since call I mean 2012 and beyond. Um, the sharpness that you see regulators now asking questions, understanding business models, understanding um, scarcity models, even. Uh, they've, they've come a long way. Um, and, and I think great things that we've seen, especially 2019, have made it a mainstream requirement for regulators to at least have a soundbite on their stance around uh, digital assets. I, I think that's from a regulator standpoint, but also from a you know traditional finance standpoint, the number of people we've seen that now can have a educated opinion on it is, has grown. Uh, credit to you know the Libra hearings, I would say, even bringing and addressing the congressmen and women that have been able to comment eloquently as well as plenty of room to, to learn more. 
um, that we saw and was broadcast, uh, you know, globally. So I think that that's those little steps are huge in terms of getting it to be a comfortable topic to discuss. Um, you know, it's intimidating for someone that's actively trying to pursue it. It's intimidating for someone who's actively trying to avoid it. <laughs> so we have to make sure that regulators are aware of uh, the developments and the purpose of these developments uh, in order for them to see the benefit uh, from both an innovation side as well as uh, you know, social progress. So I'm kind of curious, is there any, since you're in Washington, D.C., my, my mind kind of went to lobbying and lobbying efforts. Is yeah. there any sort of like teamwork between like Binance US and Coinbase and Gemini? Any sort of like alliance uh, to help kind of guide U.S. regulations in a pro-crypto fashion? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess being the being the last kid on the kickball team here in the United States, uh, it's a. Uh, it's always easy for me to want to collaborate with folks. Um, they're like, well, you weren't here in the trenches, thanks. Um, but I, I still stand from, a, from an opinion that uh, a collaborative voice would definitely be one that we are still so early in this uh, game. It, it, I'm, I'm cheering for all of us in that aspect. Um, and we, you know, we've been able to get in touch with you know, the, the key leaders at uh, the respective marketplaces. There have been uh, several conferences related around the travel rule where they're bringing together all of the compliance minds um, of these exchanges to, to really kind of put more brains behind our decisions that we're making that will impact not only us, but future, um, you know, future uh, in, uh, folks that come want to come into the space as well. So very pro uh, understanding where they're coming from, understanding what they've done, what's ha what hasn't worked and coming up with a solution if, if our powers combined can help uh, power to us. Um, so no, it's been very cordial in terms of uh, engaging with, with other groups. So if Binance, Gemini, and Coinbase were all in the same room and they were about to walk into Congress and lobby for something, what would be the first thing that they would lobby for? Oh man, like, that's a good question. We'll probably have to talk to them and figure out what we want to lobby for. I can't make that decision on my own. That wouldn't be teamwork, right? From what you can see, what would like, you want? Here's what we're going to lobby on. I'm so glad I brought these two people in. This is called collaboration, and I'm making <laughs> decisions here. No. Um, What's the know, issue that's plaguing the industry, at least in the United yeah, States? Yeah, the, 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 biggest, the biggest one that's caused the most of us to come together on, on efforts has been really around the travel rule and understanding where um, FATF is going to be affecting um, exchanges in that model from both an operations standpoint as well as a regulation. Wait, what's the FATF rule? Uh, or just along with the travel rule for um, oh. restrictions that would be placed on um, the movement of funds for exchanges. Um, and and I've, I've seen the development of regulation come into other markets where you're assuming it's penalizing everybody across the board and you know the size of uh, frustration are heard around the world. Uh, and yet the solutions that we can come up with do still allow for businesses to, to work through things. So um, given that we are late into the game of our origin is years after the travel rule has kind of been put out in the universe, we're having to play catch up quite quickly with the progress that the other um, marketplaces have made around this. The good news is that the progress made on uh, these is still in the, the workings. So. Um, you know, we're not, we're not terribly far behind. You've seen Binance.com uh, partner with um, CypherTrace on getting towards a solution. 
um, and, and we're keen to understand how others are, are going about it, but quick learners and clearly to act. When I think of things like the travel rule, and I always think of like Bitcoiners, Bitcoiners saying like there are no coins, like the coins are the coins are everywhere, right? Because it's just a distributed ledger. Like, yeah. the, like what is it like trying to explain like those kind of concepts? Like, there's actually no coins ever moving. Like, is that something that is just like a non-starter? Yeah, it's you know we're also thinking about it from like that. Um, the ephemeral side, but also like logistics, uh, like micro logistics that would be involved on our actual platform and reporting. Um, so we start with probably the more logistics and tangible items and then allow where, where we can the, uh, the philosophical standpoints to come through. Speaking on like the philosophical side, I'd, I'd love to get a little cosmic um, on this podcast. Um, All right. You know, I, I mean, we, we've talked a little bit before this about, you know, Bitcoin and religion and how that all fits together. But I'd kind of want to get your take on how Bitcoin and how potentially other chains are going to affect the future of finance and potentially humanity in your eyes. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because we get a lot of, well, I mean, it's a worthwhile question of like, why did you list more than one coin on your platform? Um, and and I, I think it in the same way that... Um, the different paths that get people to learn about digital assets and then to learn about finance are the more roads we have towards understanding the better. And you might come into crypto understanding through Doge and then understand more about decentralization and, and, you know, line yourself back into Bitcoin or vice versa. So I think that's something that we're just providing this platform that gives people that freedom of choice to come to their own understanding of, of what they really want to be uh, engaging with. So that's, that's kind of our blanket, uh, my, my viewpoint and why we have this diversity of selection on finance us. Uh, the second side is like, where, where do we see this, um, kind of evolving and in, in from a, a, a financial market side, uh, you know, shocking. There's room for a lot of players in this whole world. I think people are, um, you, you know, always needing a kind reminder that, we may have had, you know, two items that we could only do. And now you have a ton. I think about when I was growing up, my professions that I could choose from were like fireman, lawyer, doctor, banker, wife. And I was like, well, those aren't limiting. Like well, cryptocurrency exchange wasn't on that list. Yeah. Right. Cryptocurrency exchange wasn't on the list. Like protocol liquidity manager wasn't on the list. Like uh, there's a, even when I moved to San Francisco and I'd look at these job descriptions and it was like growth associate. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, how did you study for being a growth associate? Uh, this is something that we need to be teaching down at a fundamental level. Uh, I know people are trying to simplify it, but the more we simplify the world, the, the less people think there are options and the less they see themselves fitting into that world. So you know, I, I think so much of what crypto's allowed me to do is be able to create a world where I belong, and and that allows me to have a a global mindset and and a freedom to to be around, uh, you know, not not in one place, um, a an interaction with a glo globally minded humans that want to be discussing all ranges of topics, whether it is religion, whether it is uh, finance, whether it is trading, uh, and and that's exactly the world I want to live in. So. 
that's one of the beauties that I found. And so I'm just trying to create uh, more ways for people to find themselves able to, able to be who they want to be. So keeping it cosmic here, uh, I've always considered like Ethereum and Bitcoin as kind of these cyber nations that you can opt into and, and subscribe oh, yeah. to. And, I, <laughs> and I, I see kind of Binance kind of building out like that own version of it, kind of in the same way that like Facebook is, isn't really domiciled anywhere. It's kind of just this internet thing that exists and like you can be a citizen of, of Facebook or not. Uh, how do you, do you feel like Binance fits into that model too? Like, fortunately so. I, I mean, I think about the commonalities I've had uh, discussing Binance on a London tube uh, with someone I've never met before. Um, and we immediately had like a great bond around the world going like, oh, you trade on Binance Jersey? Cool. I'm thinking of launching Binance US. How's that? And he's like, that's sweet. I we guess we both get to support Binance. Cheers. Um, and th we take for granted when common bonds can be made around the world. Uh, it lets us kind of reach in and see into a different window um, of where things are operating. Understanding how different demographics and, and geographies are using cryptocurrency is another fascinating realm for me. I mean, I, I think oftentimes people broad stroke and say, um, you know, Asia has a higher risk appetite and therefore they're trading more crypto. It's actually very, way more nuanced than that. It's like, well, Korea has been trading specifically uh, based on like a speculative mindset where Japan was really on a leveraged mindset. And, uh, you know, Hong Kong was, they were changing their whole jobs into uh, crypto, leaving behind their old industry. And Singapore was building new careers and, and new companies out of it. So wait, are, were those just examples, just ex as examples, or are those actual real examples for yeah, the country? The real nuances of the market. Um, mm. but Kimchi you, premium. Yeah, kimchi premium, right. And um, discount. And then you've we got, can't. <laughs> yeah, you've got like Latin America and South America using it for safe that they've got such high inflation in their own currency that they have to, you know, they have to be using it for uh, their own denomination. Same with Africa. Like we, we take for granted the thought of how people are using crypto, but the reason why it resonates with people is so nuanced. And that's what I really, I find fascinating. And I found that fascinating from a foreign currencies perspective that uh, you just had so many different market dynamics of where people came from, where they were raised, what the governments were like, what their what their economic uh, you know norms were, what their social norms were, how they interacted with money. I mean, the way we interacted with money 30 years ago is very different from now having huge... Uh, very public arenas talking about concepts of money. Like that's not necessarily, it was taboo back in the day uh, to even bring it up. That's why it was isolated to bankers and kept behind doors, behind vaults, behind uh, counters. And you only could go there at certain times of the week. Um, whereas now we've got around the clock conversations on Twitter, on telis uh, you know, Telegram, Periscope, you name it, people wanting to express how they're feeling and interacting with this new medium i find it fascinating cosmic checking out no. <laughs> yeah I, I like to say that bitcoin is a conversation about money like we haven't had a conversation about what money is for a really long time and bitcoin kind of opened a crazy crazy pandora's box around you yeah, know what is money who can issue it and all that stuff it's fascinating when i came out to san francisco about three years ago 
Um, I worked at Silicon Valley Bank after Morgan Stanley and before Ripple um, for a brief stint. Um, and it, it, we we held these Friday, we called them like Friday finance firesides. And it would be a group of like six to six to 10 of us in an apartment discussing all of our financial insecurities in a group with people from Facebook content, uh, Stripe, EA Games, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Barclays. And we'd sit around and be like, okay, 401ks, let's break it down. Okay. Uh, taxes, let's break it down. Okay. IRAs, like let's break it down. And we had to do this still in the privacy of our homes in order to discuss money management and our own financials. Whereas now it's like you walk on the street and talk about Bitcoin and you're just doing the same thing, but the conversation is broken open. Um, and, and there's still needing to be that freedom of getting people out of what feels like a taboo subject and something extremely personal and welcoming them into a, a conversation to own it. And that's what I think is the message we still need to really focus on. It's not a scary thing. It's not a, a thing to be ashamed of. Uh, this is your ticket to freedom. So like discuss it. <laughs> Well, I, I wanted to close out with with like, what is your unpopular opinion about crypto in 2019? Oh, uh, the unpopular opinion, I, I think, is that um, people's first foray into crypto will not be what they're known for later on. So I think there's going to be an evolution within um, people's identities in, in cryptocurrencies, and we have to be accepting of that. So uh as much as we're branding ourselves and trying to make a name for certain aspects, we need to remember that it's a really small world and uh, welcome, welcome all types of people to, to shed their cocoons and, and become different shapes and, and morph into different areas of cryptocurrency. So it's going to start happening. It's already happened. I'm on my second act in crypto. So um, be, be prepared to welcome others. Yeah. With every bull run, the dust gets kicked back up again and it needs to land one more time. And so it's never really actually settling. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like, who, who's, who's changed their colors since they, they started and, and been able to evolve? And, and maybe they weren't as great at what they used to do and now they really resonate or they found uh, that something frustrated them and now they're building it themselves. So I find that uh, people that I meet that are on their second acts in crypto, we have this kind of common bond of saying like, all right, we've made it. Now good luck in the next realm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Catherine, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? What can they expect next out of Binance? And who do you want to hear from? Awesome. So stay tuned by us. We're on Twitter at, at Binance America. Uh, we also, I'm at Crypto Coley. And we have Telegram channels for both an announcements only one and then one run by our community, Binance US Angels. So um, we have those links on our Twitter. As well, you can uh, find us finance.us. We have a blog um, and uh, LinkedIn at finance.us. Uh, and then other than there, uh, stay tuned. We've got some exciting things coming up for the Thanksgiving week. Uh, one to get us out of our shells, away from our computers and uh, engaging with the people around us. Uh, so so get, get ready to be um, gregarious and, and, and double down on, on both efforts of Turkey and Bitcoin. Oh man, I'm really curious about that one. I have no idea what that could possibly be. <laughs>
Uh, and then, and then, you know, stay tuned. Keep asking questions. Um, engage with us uh, on Twitter. My DMs are open. I need customer support. Uh, that's why we had to reschedule this podcast. Just a couple questions that needed to get answered. Um, but the uh, the feedback that we get from our users is crucial for us making sure that our product is both relevant but also evolving. So uh, very open to having a two way dialogue with with you. Fantastic. Thanks again, Catherine, for coming onto the podcast. You all know where you can find it, at POV CryptoPod. You can find me at CK underscore Snarks. Quick show for Bitcoin 2020 in San Francisco, Catherine. Going to be a great event. So, uh, yeah, make sure to go out there. uh, 25% off with the code POV for Bitcoin 2020. David? You can find me at Trustless Date both on Twitter and on Medium and probably at Bitcoin 2020. Nice. Awesome. Cheers, y'all. Thanks, Catherine. Signing off.